So I know some of y'all been wondering, I do have hair under my hat. Mostly, I just really don't like getting haircuts. Hey everybody, welcome back to The Wealthy Idiot Show. My name's AJ and this is my show. Before we get any further, please make sure to destroy the like button for the YouTube algorithm, subscribe, hit that bell, comment down below, and let us know what you think. All of this helps us spread this financial information as best as we can, gets it out to as many people as we can, and hopefully we can also steer people away from all of that bad financial information out there that gets people in trouble. So today I wanna to break down the baby steps as prescribed by Dave Ramsey's show. And I also want to alter them a little bit, kind of provide my own baby steps, I guess. I haven't really done that yet, kind of describe what it is I think people should do and in what order and why, and why that differs from what Dave Ramsey offers as baby steps. Although I don't entirely disagree with his baby steps, I just have some stuff to kind of slide in there, maybe some things that might help some people out. So let's get into it. So for starters, let me break down Dave Ramsey's baby steps and explain to you why they exist. And then we'll talk about why I think we should alter them and I'll go over the ones that I propose. So baby step number one for Dave Ramsey is to have a thousand dollar emergency fund. I think he proposes such a small emergency fund because he's trying to suggest that you should get to paying off that debt quicker. Don't waste as much time building that emergency fund. And it also kind of puts a little bit of urgency underneath you where you're thinking like, I gotta pay this debt off because if I don't, we're in trouble if something does occur. Baby step number two is pay off all your debt except for your mortgage using the debt snowball. Now this is an interesting thought and it's something that I hadn't considered before watching Dave Ramsey. He suggests paying off debt in the smallest debt first and then going from there, then getting the bigger one and bigger one. And his concept is once you free up that money from the payments you're making on the smaller debt, you can use that money on the bigger debt. And it also helps you mentally because it helps you feel like you're solving the problem. Like you're actually hitting achievable goals as opposed to starting with the highest interest debt first, which may be a larger debt and it may cause you to feel like this is gonna take way too long and that first sort of success marker might be way further away and maybe revert back to your old way. So I think he proposes that debt snowball because of that and I do really enjoy that idea. I think it takes the psychology of people into factor when dealing with paying off debt. The next baby step is to get to three to six months worth of expenses. So now that you got your debt paid off, now you build a larger emergency fund. And I think that this is important. We never know when something is gonna happen and we want to make sure that we're saving money, but we don't wanna actually save money in cash. Cash loses value really quickly. So what he's saying here is hold on to an emergency fund, maybe put it into a high yield savings account, something that produces at least the highest interest rate you can for a savings account and only use that in case of extreme emergencies. So like hospitals, loss of job, et cetera. And it kind of gives you a buffer in case something happens, makes you feel a little bit more relaxed. If you put all that money into investments and then something bad happens to you when the market collapses and you're trying to withdraw it after you've taken huge losses, that could be real detrimental. Whenever the market crashes, we don't want to withdraw any money out of the market. We want to leave it in there because the only people who experience losses are those who take those losses out when the market is down. So just leave your money into the investment and then get this emergency three to six month emergency fund in case something does happen and you have that padding to fall back onto. Next, he recommends saving 15% for retirement. 15% is kind of the industry go-to for what you should be saving for retirement. And he recommends that you put that into your 401k because of the employee match, um, maybe a Roth IRA, and start putting it into retirement funds itself that penalize you from trying to take it out too early. I think that helps prevent people from like 
trying to use it in cases that aren't really absolute emergencies that they have to take it out for. If you have to save six months to buy that new boat, as opposed to taking a huge tax burden when you pull money out of a 401k, you might be more interested in saving six months to get that boat. And it kind of prevents you from touching that. 15% being the industry standard is just a good sort of baseline indicator of where you should start investing money um, in order to make sure that you're ready for retirement at some point. Next, he recommends investing money in a college fund for your children. And this helps prevent um, tax burdens on that money. It allows that money to grow. It gives them options when they get to college. And you don't have to be terribly wealthy to start this, especially if you start it while they're still young and you're just consistently putting a little bit in. By the time they hit college, it will have grown to a significant enough amount. And all of those gains are tax-free as long as they're used for education. So putting it into something like a 529 will help you benefit and it'll prepare your kids for college and it'll help their future as well. Baby step number six, now he recommends paying off your mortgage. Get your mortgage paid off so you have no more mortgage and you can have, be completely debt-free. You don't have any payments to anyone. And now step number seven, you take all that money and you start investing it into the markets and you grow over time. And then now you can start focus on building wealth. And then he tells you, go to a SmartVestor Pro. That guy will tell you how to actually invest that money because we don't want to make recommendations on TV or radio. And I think that's pretty accurate. If you notice, I don't say often, hey, you should go put your money in X. Most of the time I say, I'm doing X. And I encourage people to do smart things with their money like I'm doing with my money. And I try to remove myself from that liability there. He kind of does that here too, where he says, hey, now just go get wealthy, invest your money, and then you can live your life. And at some point you plan for that retirement and those smart investor pros will help you get there. All right. So we broke down Dave Ramsey's uh, baby steps. And I think it's missing some really important and critical components that are needed in order to get you to be successful. I was thinking about it the other day and I thought Dave Ramsey kind of plays two sides of the debate. So one is the fear side. And I think the fear side is something that is healthy. Like we should have a healthy fear of making bad decisions around finances, including debt. And he tells you, hey, look, things are going to be bad if you don't figure this out. You need to figure this out. I think that's okay. The next thing he tells you is, hey, follow these baby steps and then you will be okay for the rest of your life. I think that's okay too, but that wasn't enough to motivate me to go into the next step. I wasn't interested in just being okay for the rest of my life or even like buying a home that I'm just going to retire in someday just kind of seemed a little bit mediocre to me. Like everybody is just like the path you're supposed to take is in like, make sure you have no debt, buy a home and pay it off, have a job until you're 67, which is like the current retirement age and then retire and live in that home and have a moderate income for the rest of your life. That's about the same as what your job paid. And you know, that's about it. That's the American dream. I buck up against that a little bit. I don't actually agree that that's all that you can do. I think that if you're real intense and you have a lot of motivation and you're willing to take sacrifices up front, you could be in a position where your retirement lifestyle is actually better than your working lifestyle. And we could probably get you to retire earlier than 67 if we're smart about it. And once I sort of opened my eyes to that concept, like, hey, we can do better than just average or just okay. We can be actually wealthy on the small incomes that we have, then 
We should take advantage of that and we should start jumping into that so that we can have good lifestyles. And like Dave says, when we get to that point where we're starting to withdraw that money and it's more than we actually need to survive, now we have extra to give and we can live and give like nobody else. So let's get into my baby steps and how I altered what Dave Ramsey is doing. So I propose in baby step number one, figure out what your net worth is first and foremost. Understanding what net worth is and how to calculate it, I think is of great importance in this process because you want to start getting of the mindset that you're growing that net worth number instead of just like we need to pay off debt and then we need to start saving money and we don't really know what that means. When you finally understand what net worth is, you understand investments and growth over time and you understand compound interest against that. Your mindset shifts to start thinking about how do I get this net worth number up? Because that's the number that actually defines what it is that you're worth. So when we talk about like Jeff Bezos is worth $100 billion, we don't mean Jeff Bezos is sitting on $100 billion in cash. We don't mean that he has like gold underneath his mattress or even that the cash lives inside of a bank account. What we mean is that if he was to sell everything he owned, including the businesses he owned, he would be worth $100 billion. You need to understand your same number because now it changes the actions that you're going to take in order to get this number to grow. A lot of us start off negative, so you don't have a whole lot of assets. Maybe you got some kind of vehicle. Maybe you have a house, which would be nice. And uh, maybe you have a couple of high-end things that you could sell, like TVs maybe. And then after that, we probably have a bunch of debt, car loan, mortgage, credit cards, and that's dragging our net worth number down. So if your net worth is below zero, the next goal is to get it to zero and then start looking how to get it past zero. And if your net worth is above zero, we're looking to grow that net worth number as fast as we possibly can. Step number two that I propose is, and these are both before like Dave Ramsey's first $1,000 step. Um, step two is find a balanced lifestyle. So here's the real struggle with most of us. And I struggled with this for a great amount of time as well. Our lifestyle is here, our income is here. Or in some cases, our lifestyle is here and our income is here. We need to find a lifestyle that we're happy with that's below that income amount. And in order to do that, it's going to take some sacrifice and it's also going to take some creativity. So I proposed in a few videos that we can do things like add more income, that will help. Um, so that our lifestyle is no longer above our income. Things like side hustles, drive Uber, etc. We could find ways to reduce expenses like finding cheaper insurance, reducing subscriptions, and we, we covered that in another video as well, how to make sure that our expenses are actually lower. And lastly, sometimes we gotta get a little bit creative. A lot of our money goes to entertainment, even food, eating out. Finding ways to solve that problem by reducing costs so that we have a happy lifestyle that we're good with, where we don't feel like we need to be spending money to be happier, but is also significantly lower than our income is the next step. One of the things that I did when um, my wife and I first got married is that we agreed that we wouldn't really do a whole lot of anything the first two months that we were married. We would focus on growing our house. We would find cheap um, entertainment or free entertainment, like going to the parks, um, watching the shows that we have here at home. And that kind of gave us a balance of like, okay, we know how much it costs to survive now. And then we can adjust our budget to ensure that it's matching. And then we can also adjust it in terms of like, okay, well, we noticed that we're spending this much when we don't do anything. We have a little bit of buffer room here we can use on things like entertainment or going out to eat, etc. So now that you've found that lifestyle, 
and you actually have a buffer, the next thing that you need to do is find an emergency fund. I disagree with Dave on this one a little bit. I don't like the $1,000 idea. First of all, the $1,000 in some places in the United States is significantly less money than $1,000 in other places. In some places in this country, $1,000 might cover your mortgage payment, and in other places, it might not cover your living expenses for a few days. So having $1,000 is different for everybody. And I think that you have to decide for yourself what it is that you need to feel safe and secure. As we're heading into a possible recession, something that may cause a lot of layoffs as we're seeing, getting this emergency fund to be high, I think is a higher priority than anything else. For me personally, I like to have at least six months before I do any other movements that includes investing or paying off debt or whatever it is, because that makes, I, I feel like I could find a replacement job within a six month time frame, even in today's economy. There are even tools online that'll help you understand what the hiring looks like in your industry. And you can see how that changes over time and then make a educated guess about how big of an emergency fund you think you will need to make sure that you can give yourself enough of a pillow. That includes things like um, you know, giant medical expenses, car expenses, etc., not just job loss. So consider that when trying to decide how much your emergency fund should be. So I'm not going to put a static number on that. I think that's up to you. And I think that you have to think real hard about what that emergency fund should be and then get there and then put it into a high savings or a high yield savings account in a separate bank than what your primary bank is. So for me, it's in an E-Trade savings account, which is a brokerage firm, and my bank is a totally different entity. That means that it takes three to five days for that money to get transferred to me, so I don't make any rash decisions with that cash, and it sits there and it grows with a little bit of interest. Right now, I think it's like 2.5%, so not terrible. Um, not great, but not terrible, and I, can, I know that that money's there in case we need it if I lose my job or something serious happens to my family. Number four, I'm rewriting this still a little bit. I think this is more important than paying off debt. Max out your 401k to at least the employer contribution. That is instantly doubling your money. The second you put $100 in there and they match it to $100, you now have $200 on your original $100. There is nothing that can beat that. So get to on that as fast as possible. The second thing you got to do is max out your Roth IRA. The current limits on Roth IRAs are $6,000 a year, and there are some restrictions as far as how much money you can make, and then there's other things like backdoor, but as long as you qualify, get money into the Roth IRA as fast as you can. These two things have such high growth potential that it negates any other move that you could possibly make in terms of increasing your net worth as fast as possible. The next thing you need to do as a part of this step is make sure that both of those two accounts are actually investing into things. So you can put money into a 401k, and have it just be cash in a 401k account. And you could put money into a Roth IRA and have it just be cash in that Roth IRA account. And neither one of those two things are growing. So make sure that you actually invest in something that has good long-term prospects in both your 401k and Roth IRA after you put the money into them. That stuff is going to shoot off like you wouldn't believe. The Roth IRA, you could withdraw all of that tax-free all of it is tax-free when you withdraw that money, and the 401k gets that employer match that you just can't beat anywhere else. Number five, now we get to the debt paying down step. Now that you've done all those steps, you're feeling good with your emergency fund, you're tracking your net worth, you have a bunch of money that you're putting into the 401k and Roth IRA, and you're like, okay, now I'm ready to pay down this debt and get out of it. We recommend paying off any debt that's 5% and above in interest rates. 
Now, I know that's different than Dave, but I don't have a problem with a really low interest debt. And the reason is if we were to invest what we would be putting extra into that debt, we could make more money off of that than if we were to just pay the debt off. The opportunity cost of paying the debt off is extremely high, especially right now. Right now, we're somewhere in the dip. We don't know if the dip is going to go any further or not. We don't know if we're at the bottom or where it's at, but we're somewhere inside of a dip. And if you're going to tell me that the best move right now isn't to buy so that we could take advantage of when the market comes back and instead pay off debt that is low interest, is barely costing us anything, that's a crazy concept to me. Let's make sure that we're investing into smart stuff. Let's make sure we have that emergency fund so that we can fall back on it in case you know something happens, like we lose our job, and then let's invest as intensely as possible after that. So pay off the debt that's high interest, no more consumer debt as far as credit cards go, personal loans, get rid of those things, and keep any debt that you have that's under 5%, and then we'll move on to the next step. My step six, save for college. So I guess that doesn't change too much from the Dave Ramsey method, but um, I'm not of the most firm belief that college is the route to go today. And I think that that's becoming more and more of a thing as time goes on. College itself has kind of separated itself from being something that readies you for the industry into something that is kind of a cultural building center. I don't really know how to explain it, but the industry is starting to see that the value of colleges and college degrees is going down. It's starting to increase its value in things like coding boot camps or other occupation specific schools. Because of that, I don't think it's as important to save for college. Although a 529 does work for things like coding bootcamp. So if you're thinking about, I wanna save for my kids schooling, I wanna contribute something, even if I don't entirely believe in the system, maybe they're thinking about going to an occupational specialty school, um, putting your money in a 529 is a safe bet. It's tax-free on withdrawal as long as that money is going to our call uh, is going towards qualifying educational expenses. So it might be worth putting something in there. I'm not going to be as serious about it as Dave is because I just don't see college as being like the best thing and the best route for everybody, which means you're putting your money into something that might not have any tax benefits. And when you take it out, you get penalties. But if you're thinking that you're going to need at least a little bit of it, maybe start something so that you have something when your kids are ready for some kind of education when they leave your house. Number seven, with that money that you saved from your high interest debt payments, and with the money that you have, that's the buffer in between your lifestyle now and how much income you have, this money is what Dave recommends you start paying off the rest of your debt and your mortgage with. I think you should take that money and just start investing intensely. Put that money into an investments now and as fast and as hard as you can. Because of compound interest, the sooner you get money into investments, the more time that money has to work for you to become greater at the time of your retirement. So I would do it sooner than later. Take whatever it is that you have as a buffer, whatever that's above your lifestyle. Don't even think about it as existing as cash that you can do something with. Just immediately get it out of your pocket and put it into an investment account and then find a way to invest it into something that you believe is going to be a good investment. Something passive like index funds would be a good starting step. Mutual funds are also not terrible. And if you're feeling real spicy, maybe watch some of our real estate videos so you could see how you could get started in real estate as well. Step eight, continue to invest intensely. I know we got two steps that are basically the same, but now this is as you get raises, you find more income, you're going to notice as you get to this step that your 
going to look for new ways to, to invest more. So you're going to look for more income. You're going to look for ways to save money in order to get more into investments. Because once you start noticing that this works, then your mind starts going crazy to try and find new ways to make this more impactful. There's some interesting numbers that suggest that this is really important. And one of the interesting stats that I think that should be carried on, we talked about, or we pointed out Dave talking about 15% should be invested and that was the industry norm. Well, as it turns out, if you're in your 20s, just your 20s, and you were to invest 30% of your income throughout your 20s and then never invest again for the rest of your life, you would be able to retire off of more income than you had in your 20s for the rest of your entire life, 30%. So it just seems like that 30% number is pretty strong. So let's say we could get 30% and let's say that's not very much money because in your 20s, you're not making as much money as you will in your 30s or your 40s, etc. But let's say we pick that flat rate of 30%. Let's say that 30, let's just round it to 33% of your income. So let's say you made $30,000 in your first job, which is I think lower than most minimum wage locations. And you were to just put in $10,000 a year from that job and you were to do that for the rest of your working career, even when your job went up and you were getting paid 100, maybe 150, maybe even high as 200K a year, and you're still just investing $10,000 a year through all of that time from your 20s until retirement, you'd be able to retire on inflation adjusted about $70,000. And that's adjusted for inflation, meaning that that $70,000 is still higher than the median income. And that's just a baseline understanding of how impactful it is to start investing sooner than later. So when we we say invest intensely, we don't mean just invest a little bit here and there. We mean if you can get to the mindset where you need to be investing hard, it really only takes 10 years in order to hit an equilibrium in which your investments are now producing more than your job is in in your income, assuming that your job hasn't increased in um, income too much. And what that means is that you could be living off of the growth and the appreciation as opposed to your job. And your job is now just in a vehicle for creating more investment income. Once you understand this concept, it really changes the game in terms of knowing that you can build serious wealth. Even if you're just an ordinary person, just working an ordinary job, you can build serious wealth that'll get you to the point of having a nice house, having nice cars, Uh, being able to go out and do what you want, travel the world. And I understand that it's a little bit later in your life, but maybe you can retire early and be able to give more money than you ever would have been able to give before you found this channel and started watching The Wealthy Idiots. So those are my revisions on the baby steps. Hopefully you glean some good information out of this. I want everybody who's watching this to understand that it is possible for you to be on the wealthier side of living, including inflation adjusted numbers. It's just a matter of knowing what to do and how to build that net worth number until you get to that point where you're ready to retire. We're providing as many tools on this channel as we possibly can, including on our website, we have a calculator to help you understand um, compound interest and a mortgage calculator. We have articles where we're explaining things like how to save money on taxes. We even explain how to measure how well you're doing in terms of the 4% rule. And we're gonna help with what to invest in so that you understand the impact of where you're putting your money. So if you learned something here today, please throw a thumbs up. If you got any questions, comment down below and we'll answer them as soon as we possibly can. I appreciate all you guys for stopping by and I'll see you guys next time.